Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I have some good news for you. The hottest take. It's back. Oh, yeah. Monday through Thursday, four times a week, you hear from me, Chris Ryan, Sean Fantasy, Mallory Rubin, Wazdeen Lambrey, Van Lathan, Julie Lippman, many other ringer staffers. You get one take, you got to defend it to the death. Sports takes, pop culture takes, food takes, airplane takes. Oh, yeah. It's coming back. First episode drops August 29th. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Welcome to Recipe Club, where we debate the best way to cook the things you want to eat. My name is Chris Ying, and today we are talking about tomatoes. With apologies to my dear personal friend Pitbull, the tomato is the true Mr. Worldwide. Tomatoes originated in South America and made their way to Europe via, you know, colonization. From there, again, thanks to colonization, they spread all over the globe and even returned in new forms and species to the Americas. Today, some 500 years later, the life of a tomato is full of potential. A little baby tomato might dream of someday becoming a part of a panzanella salad, or a perfect diner BLT, or perhaps a star in Alampasard's tomato tart. Or maybe it'll go further afield and find its calling in Asia or Africa, where it might not enjoy the same social standing as it would in, say, Mexico or Italy, but it could still find a well-respected position in a stir-fry with eggs in China or maybe partnered with its cousin, the eggplant, in a Vietnamese or Cambodian stew. Now, all that being said, just as every little boy and girl dreams of becoming Pitbull, very few of us wind up growing into hip-hop, reggaeton, international crossover megastars, most tomatoes are destined for a life in a sauce factory. Like millions of their brethren, they will get chewed up and turned into salsa, marinara, or ketchup. Let's talk for a second about ketchup. As American as ketchup may seem, if you trace the etymology of ketchup, 
you'll find yourself in Malaysia by way of China. That's where the word ketchup comes from, as well as the idea for ketchup. A salty, heavily concentrated, long-lasting, almost shelf-stable sauce that's not actually always made from tomatoes. You can make quote-unquote ketchup out of all sorts of things, mushrooms, oysters, and anchovies, to name a few. But tomatoes have, of course, emerged as the face of ketchup, and it speaks to why tomatoes have managed to spread as far and wide as any fruit or ingredient on the planet. Here's what I'm talking about. You ever watch a Marvel movie and look at Black Panther's suit or Captain America's shield and think, wow, wouldn't that be so great if there really were some ultra versatile, incredibly useful, super strong material like vibranium? Well, there is. Tomatoes are real life vibranium. They are a perfect base material for anything you want to cook. They bring acidity, sweetness, umami, and moisture all at once. Even if you, like my wife, peel away the thinnest slice of tomato from your burger, even if you can't stand the taste or texture of a raw unadorned tomato, I bet you love spaghetti and meatballs. I bet you dip your Tocito scoops in salsa roja. I bet if I added a few thick slices of tomato to a rice cooker and let the tomatoes melt into the grains of rice, you'd be curious where all that delightful flavor came from. Today on the show, tomatoes are playing more of a background role, albeit an important one. Listener Fuang Pham brought us a northern Vietnamese stew called Kapong, made with pork belly, tomatoes, eggplant, and fried tofu, seasoned with fish sauce and turmeric, and garnished with perilla leaves and green onions. It is a classic of Vietnamese home cooking, and while you may not find it on the menu of your neighborhood pho shop, it is, to me, further confirmation that the Vietnamese are the world's foremost masters of the soup arts. So let's take a listen to my conversation with Fuang and then stick around to hear how Dave Chang and I did with this soup and what Priya Krishna did to this soup. Just giving you guys a little fair warning. As always, send any comments and recipes to the fixer at majordomomedia.com and join the conversation, which is going on all the time on the Majordomo Media Discord server by pointing your browsers to majordomomedia.com slash discord. Why don't you start by telling us your name and the name and correct pronunciation of the dish that you have brought to the recipe club? Um, sure. My name is Fong, and I have brought a recipe for kabum. What do you do when you're not uh, sending recipes to podcasts? Professionally, I work in philanthropy. I work with philanthropists in our region to help direct power and resources toward communities. I obviously cook a lot, um, and I also do pottery. So pronounce for me the dish one more time for and, and help me teach me how to do this uh, when I pronounce this on the podcast. Sure. Um, so ka, it has a little accent. So you kind of go down ka. a little bit and then ka. boom, boom, mm-hmm. boom. That's pretty good. Ka, boom. All right. So ka, boom, is a soup, a tomato and eggplant soup or stew. First of all, are Vietnamese people the masters of soup? I think so. One hundred percent master of soups of the entire world. <laughs> I, I fully, without any irony, believe that to be true. Convince people for me first, right off the bat. This is a you describe it in your letter as kind of a summertime soup. You make this when when tomatoes are at their peak. Fresh tomatoes are at their sweetest and juiciest and ripest. Kind of overlaps, sort of end of summer when eggplant is coming into season. 
sell people on the idea of if you're not Vietnamese, if you're not Asian, summer soups? Well, my husband is American, and this is the be- debate that we have on a daily basis in our household. I think that soup is a breakfast, lunch, dinner, summer, spring, winter, fall, um, all year round. But I do understand that there is this idea um, that in America or in the West, soup is a winter thing. Well, one, I would put in a context that like on a, in a Vietnamese meal, you never just have like one dish and there's always going to be a soup. There's always going to be some kind of vegetables and there's always going to be like maybe a stir fry and then rice. So it is just like a must have for us all year round. And I would sell it that um, my parents are actually visiting and Vietnamese people literally never drink water. And why they're never dehydrated and never never drink water is because they're always drinking soup. So <laughs> if you're bad at drinking water and always dehydrated, just make sure that you eat your soup. Yeah, just fill your big hundred ounce water bottle with with kapong. Uh What is your family's? Is this your who? How who who do you want to give credit to for this recipe? Is this your personal recipe? And like, what is what is like your family's style of this? So, um, I literally just wrote this recipe when I submitted it, although I have made it a million times and my family has made it a million times probably. But, um, if you ask my mom a recipe, it changes like every time you probably know. So Mm -hmm. this would say the idea of it is family based, but the actual recipes, if it doesn't turn out right, it's definitely my fault. Uh, so I think that most of the ingredients are pretty straightforward. You've got pork belly and shallot and eggplants and tomatoes, turmeric, fish sauce, and all this. Down here where you have lemon juice, I've I've encountered this ingredient before. Is it is it may me may? It's may. Actually, I thought may. about you because it came up in your banana episode. It, it came up in our banana episode, and I could not. First of all, it's ungoogleable, oh, and, really? and you you pointed out in your in your. Uh, in your initial email, like sort of looking for English versions of a lot of these Vietnamese dishes, like is a fool's errand. But like, I have never seen it. I kept on looking for it before. Explain what it is and what form it comes in and what section of the grocery store I'm looking for. Uh, I've actually never tried to buy it in the U.S., even though I'm sure a Vietnamese grocery store probably have it. In Vietnam, you just go to market and you buy it in like a little jar and um, it's like probably really cheap, like a few cents. And it is fermented um, rice or we also sometimes do it with rice noodles because it's basically the same thing, just in different form. Uh, probably was invented because someone didn't finish their rice or their rice noodles and it became super sour and literally liquidified. Um, it's kind of like a thick liquid, very similar to shiokoji in Japanese food, but it's more just like sour. If I could compare it to anything, sometimes like in Vietnam, if you don't have made, you would use like yogurt, but okay. the yogurt in the U.S. is too sweet. So you can't use American <laughs> yogurt. <laughs> you, it's not right. substitutable. But in Vietnam, no, no. if you don't have made, you'll be like, oh, I have a yogurt. I'll just like add some yogurt instead. Okay. Okay. So it's that kind of, that kind of acidity, not like a, a, a Dan and strawberry go or something like that. So 
it, you've got me, Dave, and Priya making this recipe. What do we need to look out for? What are some potential places we can go wrong? Where can what do we have to make sure we do when we're making this? Something that I notice from just like the food world in general in the U.S. is people get really stressed out from frying tofu. I actually have no idea why because we literally fry tofu every day, and no one is like, "You have to do this. You have to like put cornstarch." So like. I never understand why it's so it seems so complicated to fry tofu. So if you're not into frying tofu, instead of frustrating yourself, maybe just go buy the pre-fried tofu, uh, Meiji tofu. The um, Japanese tofu place is really, really delicious in Gardena. Actually, do also have fried pre-fried tofu. It's very delicious. And you're just frying it in oil in a pan. That's it. It's just fried tofu. Well, in the recipe, this is something that I actually do because I do try to use one pan. I actually render the fat from the pork belly first. And then if it's like, it's usually enough fat that you can fry the tofu in it. If it's not, then you can add a little bit and then kind of just like keep the whole thing one pot. Uh, But if you are nervous about doing it in your Dutch oven, if it's not seasoned enough, do use nonstick and don't blame me if your tofu doesn't turn out crispy. (laughs) (laughs) i love it i love it so do not do not blame her if you screw this up we will fry our own tofu i think and uh i'm excited to see this i'm excited this is this is right in my wheelhouse i love this kind of thing and i'm already on the summer soup uh train i can't think of a better use for summer tomatoes i'm so excited Welcome to another installment of everyone's favorite podcast, Recipe Club. We're joined with Chris Ying and Hello. intercontinental reigning champion, Priya Krishna. <laughs> that description gets like more and more, you know, superlative every time you say it. I love it. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> I need I needed that I needed that boost today. <laughs> this is the OG configuration. This is we've come full circle. It's the three of us talking about fucking tomatoes again. <laughs> Time I mean, is a flat circle. I have a lot to say about this. This doesn't seem like a tomato recipe to me whatsoever. Uh, wow. We're gonna have to I get literally into this. said that in the email. <laughs> we're going to have to get into this deep. We're going to have to get deep into that, Dave. I, I, uh, spoiler alert. I agree with you. Oh my God. I, sh- I can't deal with a two on one gang up the week before <laughs> my wedding. I would much <laughs> rather, I would much rather wish there were sun dried tomatoes in this recipe. Oh, oh my no. God. Just, uh, before we dive into this recipe, though, like, can we do a quick catch up on? I have a question for Priya, but we're gonna do a general catch up on on eating excursions. Chang, what have you been eating or cooking lately? Anything interesting or terrible or wonderful? My wife bought a uh, air fryer. Yeah, nice. And she's been cooking a lot of sable fish, black cod, in, in that. Um, oh, I yum. I tried to um, make mozzarella sticks with um, polio string cheese thing. Mm-hmm. Just Cut it in half, put it in the air fryer, dredged it. Doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work to f- like you were trying to make homemade dredged things. The air fryer doesn't work. <laughs> I can't see. You know what I mean? Like they should make mm. a clear air fryer. I I, I, mm. I I I just it was completely in a black box. I had no idea what was happening. I need to see my food. I had no idea. Right. So so what happened is all the cheese in the bread encasing melted and put went to the bottom. 
Oh, no. It sounds like you were purposely... I mean, like, you could have seen that coming, dude. Let's be honest here. It sounds like you were trying to sabotage the air fryer just by putting some cheese in there and melting it into the gearworks. Well, another thing I didn't know is that there's this whole cottage industry with the air fryer where you're supposed to laminate, like, put parchment on the bottom of it. You guys know that people do this? Or is it just my wife? Line the basket with parchment? Yeah. It's a real thing. (laughs) But doesn't that restrict the the whole point of, like, the airflow? I know. I, 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 I... the whole idea. I know. I know. Bring it up with bring it up with Grace. <laughs> uh, and Priya, this is the uh, this is probably the last recipe club I imagine where you're a uh, classified by the federal tax code as a single lady, right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. When you put it that way, jeez. <laughs> uh, tell me if I mean you can feel free to say no, but I mean I want to I want to be foodie page six here a little bit. Inquiring minds must know. Can you give us like a little preview of what those of us who are attending the wedding might be eating coming yeah. up here? It's like it's pretty. I have I'm like really proud of my like sole job was basically the food, and I feel really excited. On Friday, we got the nice folks at Pizza Moto and Red Hook to drive their pizza oven down oh my God. to New Hampshire. And they're doing pizzas and salad. And then Seth and my mom love salt and straw ice cream. So they ordered like a dozen tubs, like giant industrial sized tubs of ice cream that we are going to serve. And then on Saturday, we have an Indian caterer that's just feeding people the whole day. We're doing chole bature with chai and coffee and mitai for lunch. And for oh dinner, God. we're doing a bunch of, we have like six chaat stations. So like Pani Puri, Bail Puri, Samosa Chaat, a homemade dosa station, a like <laughs> roti and sog station. Oh my God. Jalebi made to order. Gulfi, my mom got a, ordered a bunch of gulfi. And then on Sunday, we were lucky enough to get the nice people of Cook and Solo, run by Mike Solomonov of Zahav, to do a full spread of Salatim and pita, and then a bunch of large format family style entrees. And for dessert, we enlisted Bill Clark, who used to run pastry and own Mimi's Diner. And he's doing like, he and Seth have like collaborated on this very cool menu of like, Americana desserts with a twist. So like slab pies and a, a sh- like a lemon poppy seed sheet cake, like blueberry corn fritters, chocolate pot de creme. It's like a dessert buffet. <laughs> as like, as brides everywhere just collectively say, fuck you, Priya. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Seth hired a taco truck to show up at like midnight to feed mm-hmm. people again, in case you're not full. and i assume priya when you say we're lucky enough or we enlisted these people you just leveraged your new york times position and and threatened them right with exposés about their businesses (laughs) i assume that's how you got this to happen no i'm just just reading between the lines i sent a very polite email in fact i feel like our indian caterer almost like turned me down because they have much bigger fish to fry with like weddings of a thousand that will pay them a lot Mm -hmm. more money so I feel like it was kind of reversed. On the wedding tip, Chang, let me ask you, I don't know the answer to this. Have you ever worked a wedding? Have you ever had mm-hmm. to cater a wedding? Mm-hmm. What was that about? It was extremely stressful. I hated it, actually, <laughs> because I'm extremely paranoid individual. And 
it's like an away game. And I don't like it because mm-hmm. so many things can go wrong. But to anybody that is a wedding caterer or big time caterer, that is, that's a whole different level of artistry. And especially Indian weddings, having now seen that in the kitchen, exactly how the food gets made, it's, it's actually how all wedding food should be, in my opinion. Everyone oh, gets yeah. their food immediately. It's delicious. And you can just eat till you're fucking stuffed. And it's delicious yeah. food. So it's great. <laughs> it's all made to order, which is amazing. Yeah. Indian caterers have it figured out. Like, I feel like some of our caterers are a little bit nervous, but our Indian caterer is like, this is chump change, the amount of people we're serving. <laughs> right. Can I say one last thing on the on the wedding catering style thing? Because this has happened to me repeatedly now. You know, sometimes you go to a wedding where you're you're like a bridesmaid, a groomsman, a close family member, and you're sitting you're seated at like table two. <laughs> and like you're experiencing like the VIP treatment. But when you're like table 37 and you're waiting for your turn to be called up to the <laughs> buffet line, there's like nothing more dehumanizing than just being yes. s- and sitting there and waiting to be called. That's like the, the, the least favorite friend of the, of the bride and groom. It's, it's my least favorite. Priya, thing. Is everyone going to be um, sat down at the same time, like Indian wedding style and like eating at the same yeah. time for the most yeah, part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's going to be served every so at the same time. That's a beauty. Yeah. yeah. It's so amazing. <laughs> that's the best way to eat. It really is. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the family style is definitely the way to go. Yeah. But the other way you can also like sort of once and for all signal to your friends where they live in your <laughs> your priority list. Just like Chris Ying, you're a table 37 kind of friend. Anyway. I'm, I'm, I got to tell you, Chris, I'm a little disappointed in one thing. What's that? That somebody didn't ask me to bake their wedding cake. I, I would have um. expected. I would have expected that. Right, Seth? You know, Seth, I, I just want to let you know that. I haven't practiced once, <laughs> but it's not too late. I am terrible at making, but it. I believe wholeheartedly, with all of my heart, that when I was going to make it, if I was going to make it, it would have been, it would have made you cry, not because it looked bad or tasted bad, because it was a work of perfection, yeah. and that's what I wanted to offer. It was my cake baking skills that are non-existent. <laughs> You've never seen a donut this big fried in butter. Yeah. In the <laughs> Well, Priya, we are all we are very happy for you. Uh, th- consider this your bachelorette episode of Recipe Club. Wow! <laughs> Congrat- thank you. Congratulations, Priya. That's amazing. Um, all right, so to the business at hand here. This season, we are doing listener submitted recipes. Priya, I don't remember in the draft episode was tomatoes high up on your list of drafted ingredients. Where was this? Super high. I love tomatoes and tomato season in New York. It's so fleeting. I was very excited to get this. You are not alone. When you do a Google search, there are 718 million results for tomato recipes. Tomatoes are like, I don't know, man, fundamental. They're from Mesoamerica. They've been cultivated in South and Central America since 500 BC. Chang, are you as high up on tomatoes in general? You know. (laughs) (laughs) Wanting to be like TB12. I... I contemplate staying away from the nightshade family for inflammation in my diet. Sure, sure, sure. Prolong your playing career by not eating strawberries. Got you. Yeah. And tomatoes. Tomatoes, (laughs) really bad for your joints. So so they say if you're a professional athlete. Which we all are. Yes. (laughs) Uh, 
you don't have, I mean, like you got love for, for tomato sauces. You got to love for the, the umami rich ingredient of tomato, but like, you're not a raw, we know you're not like fawning over the heirloom tomato. Like Priya just said. No, I, I do like the heirloom tomato. Um, I remember the first time I ever had one. I, again, if you're younger, to, if you're in your like teens, you probably know what heirloom tomato is. It was a new thing. Circa, <laughs> what year? Really put exist. a year on it. Put a year on when you think the heirloom Nine, tomato became two, a thing. 99, 2000. I think that's Became a thing. Yeah. And then to see these misshapen, colorful tomatoes. I remember I've made so many heirloom tomato salads. Um, <laughs> and I'll tell you one of the best knives to make a tomato salad with, with you if you have a big, juicy, ripe heirloom tomato. And I don't remember the brandy wine. They have these cool names Green Zebra. Green yep. Zebra. <laughs> uh, it's like a Marvel Avengers team. Uh, <laughs> Purple um, Man. <laughs> Uh, is a serrated knife works yeah. a wonderful bread knife, yeah, bread knife, definitely, or a ginsu, of course, Dave. A ginsu, <laughs> ginsu. of course. <laughs> so I remember tasting it, thinking to myself, that tastes good, but there are really whole variations of heirloom tomatoes. There's shitty ones, and there's transcendent ones. The transcendent ones are very few and far between. I'd also say that New Jersey and the New York region happen to grow extremely sweet, delicious heirloom tomatoes. California doesn't have the perfect tomatoes, in my opinion. It's one of the things that the East Coast has over California. But they're all delicious. The cherry tomatoes, heirloom tomatoes grow year-round. But I'm talking the big ones, the ones with the Avenger-like names grow better on the East Coast. <laughs> I, I think they're fine. I'm not in love with them. I, it's not like, ooh, i got to make a spacho. I, I never feel that <laughs> way. But you are like, ooh, i got to make panzanella. Panzanella, because that is the ultimate salad. Right. It is the ultimate salad. I totally agree with you <laughs> yeah. on that. I mean, Fried the bread. ratios are perfect. In there. Yeah, the, the ratio of zero lettuce. <laughs> yeah, all bread. <laughs> all bread with some tomato sauce on it. You know, I saw on social media recently, there's a lot of people, uh, including our good friend Chris Bianco, a lot of people talking about just eating a tomato sandwich. Uh, like, uh, no lettuce and no bacon. I, you know, I'll be honest, I unfollowed them. and followed all of them. <laughs> Chris Bianca, who we've spent multiple episodes of the DC show praising, he posts one tomato sandwich and dude's like, I'm fucking out on this guy. <laughs> this guy sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's it's almost like I found out that he he's pro Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and all these, you know? <laughs> I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't be friends with them. That's the equivalent. Like, what are you doing? Where's the where's the where's yeah. the other stuff? Feel like nice you can't guy, just nice celebrate guy, but a slice of tomato with some, you know, Florida cell and some nice right. olive oil. No. Nobody posts a tomato sandwich without like some long, effusive, beautiful, just like in yes. a perfect tomato, yes. just a sprinkling of Malden and a quick smear. It's just like Dude, it's a tomato and a piece of bread. Like, that doesn't sound good. Well, I'm surprised they don't say it's a tomato steak, like a cauliflower steak. Oh, God. I'm sure they do. I'm sure I'm sure that that exists. It's a steak sandwich with tomato. Priya, it's a tomato steak you, sandwich. Are you, are you eating beef steak sandwiches or, or is your love extend to the simple tomato sandwich? Actually, no. I have to agree with Dave on this. I totally agree that there needs to be other stuff in it. Yeah. Nobody what is happening? The, the, this is a uh, incursion happening. The universes are colliding. <laughs> These <Yes>. guys agreed. <laughs> End the show. We did it. We finally made it to the end of, of Recipe Club. Can I, can I also say this is, again, controversial. It gets me in trouble. Not a surprise. I don't think it BLT. We talked about this even when we did the first Recipe Club. 
an heirloom tomatoes BLT sandwich is not the right tomato for a BLT. It's too juicy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, you just can't. You can't do it. And I, anyone else that's taking photographs or they're eating one and it's a perfectly, it, that's staged. It's a fake sandwich. <laughs> There's no fucking way. Because you, you, you know what they never show you? They show you the first bite. They never show you the sixth bite when it's yep. just like a wet mess in your hand. It's a lie. It's a lie. <laughs> uh, a hothouse tomato in all its glory is the perfect choice for anything sandwichy. Not in salads. Hothouse tomatoes are fucking disgusting in salads. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious in panzanella and salads in general. Mm. Hothouse tomatoes specifically are only good in heroes, grinders, subs, and BLTs. That's it. Yeah, I, I agree. But they are they are the superior BLT tomato. We got a pretty good number of tomato recipes today. None of them were hothouse BLTs. We got like a Sri Lankan tomato stew, tomato toast, tomato tarts, tomato sauce. But Priya, you singled out this northern Vietnamese soup slash stew, which I'm going to butcher, called Ka Bung, which is a tomato and eggplant stew. Priya, explain what stood out to you about this one. Why'd you choose this recipe? So, I, you know, I guess the first thing I want to say about tomatoes is that in food media, when it comes to tomatoes, the recipes that seem to rise, that like seem to be included in all the roundups are like white people tomato recipes, like tomatoes in pasta, tomato in like a dainty little tart, tomato, <laughs> it, you know, you know, like a tomato heirloom tomato salad with like a shower of herbs on top. And I am just tired of white people taking ownership over tomatoes because other cultures make amazing tomato dishes. And um, I was really between this recipe and the Sri Lankan recipe that also looked really, really, really amazing. But I chose this one because the woman who submitted this recipe talked about how this particular uh, recipe is not like a Vietnamese recipe that you tend to find online. She said she wasn't a huge fan of the recipes she had found online and that she wanted to like enter into the public record her own family recipe. And, you know, I I love the idea of a regional Vietnamese recipe that doesn't get a lot of shine on the internet. And it looked really delicious, but I knew it was going to be controversial because it's tomato and eggplant. And she pointed out, she was like, I know that there's eggplant in this and it's not purely tomato, but the tomato plays a pivotal role. And so I decided to roll the dice and accept the inevitable criticism from both you and Dave that there's not enough tomato so why don't we just, why don't you just go for it? I'm ready. I'm ready for it. <laughs> well, let's let the <laughs> listeners decide. So this is, again, it's like a, a classic Northern Vietnamese soup or, or stew, depending on how, how, how far you take it, basically. Phuong Pham's recipe has you basically taking slices of pork belly, browning them in the pan, adding shallot to it, uh, and then tomatoes, eggplants, turmeric, fish sauce, and like two cups of water and basically cooking that into until the, the veg is softened and then finishing it with uh, sliced perilla leaves, green onions, and a tablespoon of the fermented rice product that I'll never be able to pronounce, may, may or may. I'm curious to hear what you guys did with that. But it's the end result is this kind of lightly sour, umami-rich super stew, which she says they would eat in Vietnam during the chillier months, but here in America, she eats when it's the peak of summer and tomatoes are at their best. So that's the lay of the land. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. 
Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's huzzah, a toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Before we open the floor to Dave's and my complaints about the tomato-ness of this dish, Priya, why don't you walk us through your experience making this? Um, it was it was good. I will admit that like I I've been like knee deep in wedding stuff, and so I didn't have a lot of time. And so by the time I got to the grocery store, they had no pork belly, they had no perilla leaves. They were just like out of a lot of things. So I had to do a lot of substitutions. I used cubed pancetta instead of pork belly. And they literally only had one package of it. (laughs) And so I could only, I only could use four ounces. Like the grocery store, like the shelves were like literally bare of all pork products. They didn't even have bacon at the time that I went there. Um, I, what did you go there at 3 a.m. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in 1984 in no, Soviet it was, Russia? <laughs> it was like nine o'clock store? on a Sunday. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so Fair basically, enough. yes. And then I substituted basil for the perilla, which actually ended up being like an okay substitution, but I imagine it's like a very different vibe. I thought that, I thought this was, was wonderful. I loved frying the tofu in the pork fat. That was awesome. It crisped up so, so nicely. Um, the tomatoes broke down really nicely. I totally agreed with what she said about how the tomatoes like really are flavoring the dish. She noted that we should only add a tablespoon of turmeric. I still think a tablespoon is probably too much. I have like very potent turmeric. So maybe that's why maybe with like, you know, the like off the shelf grocery store turmeric, it wouldn't taste as potent, but mine was like very turmeric forward. So I ended up balancing out with a little bit of extra fish sauce. But I, I mean, I thought this was this was really, really quite good, even with all of the substitutions I had. I can only imagine that it's like 50 to 60 percent better and more umami and more complex if I had everything I needed to make this recipe. And when I have more time, I plan on like seeking out all of those ingredients that can actually make it the correct proper way. Um, the only mistake that I made was at the very end. I put some in a bowl. I tasted it and I was like, oh, this is delicious. I think it needs more fish sauce. And I like grabbed a bottle and just like dumped fish sauce, not realizing that I just dumped a, like boatload of black vinegar 
Oh my god. The only mistake I made. The Jeez. only mistake I made was I put a bunch of Elmer's glue into yeah. the uh dish instead of salt. Okay, cool. But it was so delicious that like I just ate my black vinegar <laughs> stew the rest of the week. I just fuck? dumped a bunch of basil and scallions on it. But I had one perfect bowl that didn't have the black vinegar and I thoroughly enjoyed it and i i will treasure that bowl okay so <laughs> you tra- dave did you also make yours with pancetta basil and black okay vinegar? okay <laughs> okay you know what I'm i feel a, like I'm i get a, like a, 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 i get a, like a, a, i'm, I'm busy <laughs> i mean i'm a little shocked at where her priorities are <laughs> i mean basically what she's telling us dave is recipe club is a table 37 kind of friend <laughs> That's where she seated this podcast. I will admit, I like totally whitewashed this recipe. It was extremely problematic. I would never endorse doing what I did, which is adding pancetta and basil instead of pork belly and perilla. You made bucatini a la matriciana. That's what you made. (laughs) (laughs) What I did was not okay. And I apologize. I hope that I get a pass because I've been... Pancetta! (laughs) (laughs) I I am a criminal. I admit it. <laughs> David Chang, what did you do? I don't even understand what's happening anymore. <laughs> what is happening in this world? Are we in retrograde where I'm doing everything by the book now and everyone else is just winging it, improvising? <laughs> I just, I also love like... The society we live in where Priya went to the store and was like, the only thing I can get is pancetta. Like, <laughs> like this is an unimaginable world 30 years ago. Like, they, d- they didn't even have bacon. No it's bacon. Crazy. That's bananas. <sighs> I think we should just end the podcast right here. So <laughs> everyone just leaves on this moment. <laughs> just where Priya admits to being a criminal. We've talked about tomatoes again. We've reached the end of the internet. Uh, what did you do? Well, I made it exactly as it was written with the exception of the May, which I replaced with lime juice. Mm-hmm. The measurements weren't exactly right mm-hmm. in terms of mm-hmm. three eggplants. I had two eggplants and there was one eggplant too many. I think especially Asian eggplant, Japanese eggplant can vary in size tremendously. Um, I didn't have shallots, so I just replaced that with white onion. I didn't even have red onion. So I seared off the pork. When it got crisp, I cut that up with scissors. Then I pan fried the tofu, which is like a very Korean thing. All you need to do from that point to make it super Korean was add kimchi to the pork mm-hmm. fat. And you would totally. have a very, very traditional Korean dish. So up until that point, very familiar. Chopping the eggplants, two heirloom tomatoes, because that's all I could get here in all I the could green get. market. <laughs> I couldn't find my beloved hothouse Plum. tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> These juicy, succulent tomatoes. (laughs) And then I added salt and pepper. I added too much turmeric. I think I followed the directions and it felt like a poorly made turmeric cappuccino type of thing. (laughs) What I don't even know if there could ever be a good one. I just imagine something didn't taste great. Uh, So I was worried because I tasted it right after I put in the turmeric and I was mixing it. And then I always forget that it sort of has to cook out and it mellowed. And turmeric has... um, like hydrochloride properties because it is a thickening agent as well. So I was a little concerned that um, it was going to be too turmeric-y, but 
I added the water. I didn't add as much because I wanted it more of a stewy thing because mm-hmm. the instructions allowed you to sort of mm-hmm. to, to mess with that. And I wanted it stewy because I'm going to eat it with rice. So it's important that it's not soupy. It's a very different experience. And, and I didn't have jasmine rice either. So I did it with the, the rice that has nothing white in it anymore. The Korean style with beans and shit. I think when I added the pork and all the pork juices back in, that's when it really transformed. I cooked that down for mm-hmm. another 30 mm-hmm. minutes until the eggplant could sort of melt. And then the prilla leaf is a polarizing idea. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's going to love it. I enjoyed it a lot because I've never had prilla leaf outside of the confines of like Korean food. And to have that with turmeric. So the whole dish, I understood. I got it. It was shocking in terms of the balance. I was expecting it to be one note here or there, but when you cook it all down, it turned out to be extremely delicious. So I was surprised. I was expecting, where's the heat? Where's the garlic? Where's the ginger? But I've never made this before, and it's not a dish that I order in Vietnamese restaurants to begin with that much. Have you ordered this before, Chris? I, I've had, I don't think I've had this exact one. No, like I, I tend to see something like this, but she also said like she, the, the submitter was also saying like only recently, do you really see more than just like mm-hmm. the standard Vietnamese soups yeah. on our menu? So like this used to be exclusively a home cooked thing. And yeah. from what I gather, this is like a Northern Vietnamese thing. And even mm-hmm. though Cambodia yes. is on the other side, mm. when I tasted this, it reminded me of a lot of the Cambodian dishes that were trying to be. Uh, reintroduced to Cambodian food culture that was sort of lost because of the Khmer Rouge, these sort of classic Cambodian dishes. And it might have had different herbs, but that is where it took me to. Less about the Vietnamese food and northern Vietnamese and more to what I had in Cambodia. So again, I mean, just shows you how little I know about it, but it was delicious. You know, Grace ate a nice huge bowl. Um, I like this. I I would probably want to add heat to it again. And Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't use as much turmeric for sure. Same. Yeah. But this dish could go a variety of different ways, man. Yeah. I mean, you could add it and you could go all over the world in terms of the flavors. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I agree. And, And in general, I think I said this when I was doing this, but like turmeric for me, like that's a friend. It's not like a best friend. So like I was like pretty nervous about. It can be super overpowering. I probably have like a similar uh, turmeric to, to you, Priya, but like I know it's very potent and it can be like slightly metallic, very earthy, you know, flavor. And like that can overpower something like this for sure. I also cooked mine to a stew and less of a soup than a stew. Like in my head, I kind of envisioned that like uh, a, a soup version of this, you know, whether it's like kind of reminded me in concept of like a Chinese oxtail soup where you just have like tomatoes that are like barely cooked. You know, they're just like chunks of tomato in there. But because you have to cook that eggplant in this soup also, and like I hate eggplant that's like squeaky, crunchy, hard. Like you kind of have to cook the tomato until it's more of a stew. And the other part of it is like, she's totally right. You're totally right, Priya, that the tomatoes are lending all of their flavor and umami to this the soup. If I were to do this more of like a brothy soup, I would start with like a different stock, I think, and have like more flavor to like the liquid Mm -hmm. as it stands, like the tomato, you don't, you don't, I didn't end up with like bites of tomato. I just ended up with tomato stew with eggplant that was like almost mush, which I loved. And like on rice, like Dave said, like that's the, that's the best thing. I think that, um, the perilla leaf is interesting. It's like, it really does change the profile of this at the last second. And like, that's always like a kind of funny thing to me when you have a dish where you take it all the way to the end to like 98% done 
and then you add one more thing to it that like changes it like considerably you know like i mean i wonder almost like is it like when you have doll and you put like chonk on it like the very end yeah, on the top right yeah. like it's going to change everything or mm-hmm. uh, you know in the vietnamese canon also like you take pho broth and then at the very end you're going to do like jalapeno or you're going to do yeah. thai basil or you're going to do like a squeeze of lemon and if you're a white person you're going to house it with hoisin sauce <laughs> but like whatever you're going to do you're going to change it a ton at the last second like it's always a little unnerving to me when i'm at like 98% complete and i'm like that tastes pretty good do I feel comfortable changing the entire yep. flavor profile right here? In in this case, like Dave said, like I also enjoyed the perilla leaf. I think it's like, can you describe that flavor really, either of you? Like what, for people who don't know what perilla leaf really tastes like? It's a more robust, bold shiso leaf. It's similar to shiso. Mm-hmm. When I want to introduce people to that flavor, I don't introduce perilla right off the bat. I introduce shiso first, but it's very different. It's a very herb herby distinct yeah. herby flavor it's on like i feel like it's in that like sweeter herb it's like in it's on like the fennel mint spectrum yeah <laughs> somewhere in there right like it's it's herbal but it's not medicinal it's kind of like a sweeter herb i think but it's very distinctive it's not it's hard to draw a comparison to anything else i think but it definitely changes like the the whole dish right at the end um now let's get to the question at hand dishes we all think was delicious it was all good even if if priya's was made with pancetta and black vinegar still still enjoyed her her version her interpretation i mean what did vietnam do to priya <laughs> i am i am deeply embarrassed i'm like maybe i should have just lied and said i used you took you took cow, you took the dish and, and turned it to cowabunga <laughs> <laughs> chris was saving that joke <laughs> it just came to me i'm so proud of that one uh the question dave is is this a tomato dish? Is this like is a good representation of what a tomato can do? No. <laughs> it's, the answer is like no. This is not a any indication of what a tomato can do, in my opinion. This is not a tomato dish. I would love to know the origin of it, so maybe it might make more sense to me because maybe this was a French influenced dish. The reason why I think it could potentially have a European vibe is because of the pairing of eggplant and tomato. So all tomatoes, I think, made their way to Asia through whether it was like Spanish or French colonialism. Like that's how mm-hmm. they made their way there. I think that's that's an interesting thing when you think about like East Asian tomato or just like East Asian cooking generally. Like herbs aside, Chinese, Vietnamese, Korean, like we don't eat vegetables unless they're like cooked all the way, basically. Like it's, it's not like the, there's no like raw tomato preparations in most East Asian cultures, I don't think. And so, like, this wasn't going to be a tomato salad, but I mean, Priya, do you want to do you want to represent the other side? Is this a good uh, representation of what the tomato can do? I, I think so. I think it's sort of the the tomatoes like tang oh, and oh, acidity. <laughs> oh my god, what a jerk. Dave, you're impossible. <laughs> like, I I just I just feel like the brightness and tang and like just acid of the tomato was on full force. I loved the way the tomato kind of like submits itself to the soup <laughs> entire it gives itself entirely to to the dish. And I mean I, I really felt like tomato was a principal flavoring. I like this is why I chose it because she was like the main the what the, like the tomato plays such a big such a well, big part. It probably would pair well with pancetta too. So I could see that. <laughs> Oh my, oh my god. god. 
<laughs> here's my here's my diplomatic middle ground. I I think that this is not a this is not a dish that showcases the glory of the heirloom tomato. Like that's that's got to be true, right? Yeah. You're like you're not of like of course. And I disagree when she says like. I, I put tomatoes in here when they're at the peak of their juicy sweetness. Like what? Is that you what could, you said? You could put any tomato in here and it would do the same thing. To your point though, Priya, I do think like it speaks to like, uh, for instance, like re- re- sometimes we'll make um, like, ri- like, don- like rice in the donabe like mixed with whatever meat and, and uh, 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 vegetables. And I'll like throw slices of tomato in there with the, with the rice, like be- that become invisible. Cause like the tomato just like melts into the rice and it just brings like umami and a little acidity and it's delicious. I think the tomato in that sense, like this demonstrates the tomato as like umami tool, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not like, I disagree that like you need to use beautiful, juicy heirloom tomatoes for this. I, I, I agree with that. I don't think you need beautiful, juicy heirloom tomatoes, but I growing up, you know, I always loved the way that tomato played with turmeric in our dolls with herbs. Uh, you know, this felt like sort of a, a beautiful ode to it, it reminded me of some of the tomato dishes that I grew up with. And, you know, how, tomatoes became really important to our cooking, even though tomatoes didn't come to India similar, similar to what you said bec- until colonial times, basically until colonization. But the Thank tomato you, has colonists. <laughs> <laughs> I think that this could be good with a teaspoon of tomato paste as well yeah if you want to make this more tomato-y with with other dimensions i think it's very easy to do the turmeric is where i think it's an interesting flavor with the tomatoes i think the the flavor itself is extremely balanced the the recipe makes a very balanced clean tasting dish and even if you add a lot of turmeric it does cook out it does mellow out i don't think it was a tomato dish though I just don't, you know, but we don't have to go into this 50 to 51%. I will say it's a really good recipe. You probably need how many cups of egg, sliced eggplant? Two? Yeah, two max. And like when you were saying yeah. like two or three eggplants, I also think that like I'm always shocked when I slice an eggplant up at the yield. I'm always just like, oh, fuck. One eggplant is so much eggplant. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much eggplant. Right. And I was going to do half, right? And then I already had some of the eggplant cut and you're like, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. I'm not going to use that again. <laughs> Right. So it's got to go in and then you've got too much eggplant for sure. No, I really liked it. It The the tomato was, it's a great recipe. I, I liked it a lot. I just, is it a dish I'm probably going to make again? Yes. I just don't know if I'm going to make it with heirloom tomatoes. Yeah. You know I, I think that's, that's totally correct and fine. I mean, I think it'd be good with like canned tomatoes and some of the canned tomato juice too. Mm-hmm. Like you could replace some of the water with tomato, like tomato liquid from yeah. the can. It'd be really good. Yeah. I think that'd yeah. be true. Where do you guys stand? Because she was saying you can buy the pre-fried, you know, Chinese tofu, which I saw at H Mart and I just picked up and threw in there. Or you can fry your own. Where are you, you guys on? You took shortcuts too? I shortcutted the hell out of this one. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> oh, that was the other show. Oh, the one other thing I will say is like I couldn't find the the May either. And I think acidity is important to this because you're definitely not getting enough from the tomato. <laughs> And I just did, instead of lemon juice, like, I was like, what's the closest thing I have to a fermented rice product? Oh, like a tablespoon of rice vinegar. And it was nice. Mm-hmm. It was like nice and mm-hmm. bright and acidic, but I shortcutted it. But are you guys saying that the frying your own tofu is worth it? I mean, I thought it was delicious. And like, you know, I'm not like a big pork person. I was like, I had had tofu fried in pork fat before in other dishes, but I just like ate a, just a slab of the tofu plain fried in pork fat. And it was outrageous. You really got a lot of that pancetta flavor on there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
frying frying tofu tubu in pork fat is the only way Koreans eat tofu. But if it's not in a, a stew, you know, jige, it's just it's pan fried in pork fat. So it was like eating a grilled cheese sandwich for me. So <laughs> yeah, it's basic comfort. Okay, so, so well, I, I think there is a tip for people that have not done this. I, actually, I do think most people have never pan fried tofu, and it doesn't have to be a pork fat, but I do recommend it. And I wouldn't do a um, flavorful oil like uh, olive oil. I would do something neutral or something that's an animal fat would work really well. I would also suggest that you don't use firm. You should use extra firm mm-hmm. uh, tofu. I, well, I use firm. I used extra firm. The idea of frying tofu for safety so you don't get splattering all over everywhere is you want to press as much of that water out without breaking the the, the structure of the tofu itself. So just like... Gently pressing it down with a towel, making sure as much of the water is gone as possible before you fry it. And it, and it will get golden brown. It's it's an amazing thing. So there's a lot of different ways you can eat it. But I, I highly recommend pan frying tofu, something that a lot of people don't do. Or actually, most people have never done. I do it every week, basically. <laughs> but exclusively what? in guanciale fat. <laughs> No, I like not in pork fat, but I just like, I don't know, like every week I end up doing some kind of dish that starts with pan fried tofu because I love tofu so much. Wow. I didn't know this. Yeah. I'm like really like when I I, like love tofu. When I was little, my mom would be cutting tofu and I would like steal half a block of cubes and just like eat them plain. You know what's interesting, Priya? How come tofu has never really been integrated in Indian food? Um, well, actually, I mean, people do like people will make egg burji, but with tofu, they'll make like a tofu burji. My mom makes uh, and many, many desi moms will make sag paneer or mutter paneer, but use tofu instead of paneer. So I feel like there have been, you know, like I, I think that that South Asians really like tofu. And I, you know, every time I go back to India, I see it more and more. But in here in America, it's like a, a secret weapon of they see moms trying to like serve their kids sag paneer and trick them into thinking they're eating paneer. <laughs> it's white. It's it's the same thing. It's cheese, I promise. Um, Priya, last words. Sway the audience to make this the winner of the season. Make this dish the one that they make. <laughs> this is not happening. Oh my God. <laughs> I I really love this recipe because it's it's something that I had never eaten at a restaurant. Like I, I, what I love about so many Vietnamese dishes is that they're, the flavors are really clean and bright. And in this recipe, like all of the ingredients you're using, the pork, the tomatoes, like those flavors really shine. And I, I think it's great. And I even enjoyed the version that I had dumped black vinegar in throughout the week. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not going to happen because it wasn't a great, delicious dish. It is fantastic. It really was well balanced. And I mean that. Everything, you could taste everything, even though I didn't think it was possible. And it was actually pretty easy to make. For me, I just don't think it is a tomato dish. And that's the only knock I have on this recipe. Okay. I think that's totally fair and your opinion, but I still think people should make it. (laughs) And they should not make it the way that I made it because I made a totally... Yeah, you made cow- cowabunga stew. Dis- disrespectful. <laughs> cowabunga stew. <laughs> Chris, you it. are the tiebreaker here. You are the tiebreaker here. <laughs> do I think people should make this? I think people should do... There are parts of this dish that I think that you should fry tofu and pork fat. I think you should make more stews with pork belly. 
I think if you have, if you're looking for a dish to utilize your bumper crop of heirloom tomatoes, flip open the book to Panzanella. You could make this in the dead of winter, is what I would say. I will say this in a very positive note, in all sincerity. I appreciate Priya not choosing one of the many. Well, there's billions and billions of tomato recipes, and like 99% of them are the fucking same. They're all the same. So, yeah. Slice of I tomato. agree. And that, and that was sort of what I was getting at. I wanted to choose something that wasn't like slice of tomato with flaky sea salt on it. You know, that was my goal. It's got to be Duke's mayo. You know, that's the, <laughs> yeah. that's the fucking conversation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So let's see. Next week. Rachel and John DeBerry and I are talking about apples. You should sign up for our Discord where all of these recipes are being made by people just like you and discussed. Uh, we'll post the recipes on our Discord and you'll find a link in the, if you're watching this on the Recipe Club TV Spotify feed, you'll see a link to the recipe there. Uh, Priya, you are down to your final what? season two ingredient. Okay. So the next time we see you is peanut butter. Any uh, any requests for the kind of recipe you want to be making? Um, I don't. I don't. I would prefer not to bake. I would say <laughs> <laughs> your soon-to-be husband don't want to allow it. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, I just like I just know that I'm going to ask Seth for help, and then he's going to be roped into it, and it's going to be you know a whole production. Let's start with this: sweet or savory. I, I'm okay with with sweet or savory recipes. I just don't want to preheat my oven. Can we, can we, can I suggest something, Priya? Sure. If it's going to be a sweet recipe with peanut butter, it is a no cook. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly. a no cook bake type of yes. thing. Right? Yes. Right. You can use a freezer. But if it's savory, yeah. all bets are off. You can give me a stew. <laughs> I know that like there, I know that there are like, like I've had a bunch of really delicious peanut butter forward Nigerian recipes. It would be really nice to see like that part of the country represented. I would. I, I haven't chosen an Indian recipe, and I would love to see a nice showing from South Asia. What could be a, be a peanut butter recipe that's South South Asian? I feel like pe- peanuts are used in in some dishes. Like I don't know if this is like traditional or not, but like I don't know. My mom makes sabudana kichri and tops it with. She makes like a chonk and does peanuts toasted with curry leaves and mustard seeds. So I could see. Maybe some kind of like coconut, peanut, curry leaf, mustard seed kind of dish coming in. Chris Yang still has not tasted your mom's cooking, has he? Wait, really? Mm-mm, never. I'm really sad about wow. it. Wow. It doesn't sound like she's going to be cooking at the wedding. She doesn't make bad food. <laughs> she doesn't make bad food. I can't. Everything I know. She makes I'm just taste. like, it's legendary. And I'm just like sadly waiting for the invite. What, that peanut chonk thing sounds amazing. Yeah, it sounds delightful. Dave got not only Dave got my mom's cooking, my dad's mangoes, my great aunt's cooking, and Seth's baking all in one all visit. Once, yeah, <laughs> and it was the dude. it was the best because <laughs> Seth was just pummeling himself. This is terrible. <laughs> it's garbage. <laughs> I cannot believe I made this. I don't want to serve it. And Dave was like the emperor, just being like, "Yes, it is terrible. <laughs> Feel the hatred growing inside." <laughs> All right, so there you have it. A, either a no-cook peanut butter dessert, a what else did you say? A, a peanut butter stew, or a, like a, like an, or any like with savory anything goes. Cook no oh, cook. Can, can we can we add one thing? Even though it's not mine, no chicken satay. 
And no, no, no chicken satay. And no, yeah. and no sesame noodles with peanut butter bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say this. No, no, no peanut butter dipping sauces. All right. That's off the fucking table. We don't want any of that. Uh, all right. Make sure you all follow this podcast. Follow the Recipe Club TV podcast. Give us five stars however you can. Send your. Can you uh, tell us? Well, can Priya, can you give us? We can't have this without you giving us one poop or fart comment. <laughs> You know, oh my it's, God. Your, you know wow. it's your Bachelorette episode when Dave is asking you for a poop or fart story. Okay. Um, I clogged the toilet today and had to flush three times. <laughs> I gotta go. I can't be here. This is, this is fucking insane. I can't be here for this. Oh my God. That was not what I was saying. <laughs> oh my God. Like, I wanted like a charming, cute poop story. Instead, oh I was just God. like, I took a monster oh shit today. <laughs> You you never cease to amaze me, Priya. I have, I have no words. <laughs> it's too late for you to tune out, listeners. <laughs> this is the end of the podcast. <laughs> what the fuck? You literally just like that's insane. We were just like, tell us something you've never told anyone before. I murdered someone. Okay. <laughs> Like, Let's what, go. A, what a mic drop. I, I'm perplexed as to how that just happened. I took a huge shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh.